Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. The establishment of the Loss and Damage Fund at COP27 was a significant accomplishment, but the actualization of these funds remained uncertain. Cultural Survival attended COP28 in Dubai and spoke to some of the delegates who attended the conference. My name is Kimaren Oleriamit. I am from uh, Maasai, pastoral indigenous community based in southern Kenya. I am a team leader of an indigenous people organization called ILEPA. ILEPA is a Maasai word that means arise, take action, exercise your agency, change your position, self-determination. And I have been privileged to follow the negotiation under the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change from the indigenous people perspective for a while now. And the reality is that the world has accepted that we have a problem, climate change, and that we need collectively to address this. And this address uh, has two main tracks. One is adaptation, and the other one is uh, mitigation action. Where adaptation is, how do we cope with change that has already happened because the globe is warming and systems are changing, not for the better, but for the worse. And uh, mitigation has to do with the recognition that what is causing the warming is greenhouse gases that create a warming effect on planet Earth. Therefore, and these gases are related to how we exploit nature, industrialization, the kind of energies we use and the production systems, how efficient or not they are. So mitigation is about changing the way we do development, thinking sustainability, thinking efficiency in energy, and thinking less destruction of nature. But all this requires finance. Resources are needed to change the way we do development. Resources are needed to build infrastructure for adaptation, to support livelihoods and recovery of people once typhoons, floods and droughts strike. And so um, initially, um, a Green Climate Fund was established, which is the fund where all climate change uh, resources go. And then there is also the Adaptation Fund, which is basically resources that goes towards the south, because the realization also is that we have contributed to the problem differentially. The north are the chief culprit because of the history of development. So money should come from the north to go to the south. So you have the Adaptation Fund, which is mostly country-oriented for adaptation. Very little financialization and financing. The Green Climate Fund is hardly accessible because of the stringent modalities of access to the fund. Accreditation process itself is impossible for indigenous people. No single indigenous people organization is accredited to the Green Climate Fund. But there is a recognition and adaptation that beyond the small incremental constraints that climate change brings, necessitating adaptation, there are certain intense moments of impact that shatter livelihoods. Kenya, for example, is coming out of a drought 
One of the worst droughts for the last half a century, 50 years we've not witnessed, where livestock die, homes, you know, cow sheds are closed, the entire livelihood system of the community is shattered. Community moves from a decent living to really abject poverty in one season, in two seasons, uh, basically. And other systems, you know, like flooding and landslides, is sweeping away the means and livelihoods of people. So this necessitated the discussion on what is called loss and damage. A recognition that while we think about coping for the slow change, we need to be ready to respond to those emergency situations of intense catastrophic impact as a consequence of climate change. And so these discussions have been going on from uh, the Warsaw uh, Conference of Parties, I think, if I recollect uh, 2019 there. And, uh, and, and that basically they established a mechanism called the Warsaw International Mechanisms on Loss and Damage to explore how are we going to structure both the discussion of leader fund and ultimately resources and how it can be accessed on loss and damage. And, uh, you know, fast forward to the last COP, Shamal Sheikh, COP27, ultimately, finally, a loss and damage decision facility was made to establish a loss and damage facility. And here in COP28, the discussion is again, what is a governance structure? Because what exists is a committee to explore the structure, the modalities of access, and perhaps how funding will be mobilized to this loss and damage facility. For indigenous people, this is very critical. It is critical because, you know, indigenous people are people of the land and skies. So they are in the front line of negative impacts of climate change. They are experiencing firsthand the consequences of loss and damage, you know, triggered by climate change. And uh, what we have seen with the GCF is one of the principles of accessing resources is called uh, country ownership and country drivenness. It's centered on the state as a conduit and a legitimate entry point for accessing resources. But the reality of the matter is that indigenous, the sorry state of indigenous people is a consequence of their relationship with national government. And if this state has been overall negative, the likelihood of accessing green climate fund resources are minimal. While we are seeing some state uh, relaxing and trying to, but because it is state-driven, state-honored, the dominant voices in national spaces and dominant sectors uh, and industry actors often take the bigger chunk of the Green Climate Fund uh, resources. And so for indigenous people, first is that we welcome this decision that recognizes that uh, loss and damage is a reality. While in the UNFCC, the negotiation is party-driven, the impact in national spaces are community-specific. So as we talk about the principle of common but differentiated responsibility at the UNFCC state party negotiation, in national spaces we need to think about communities, which reflects landscapes, ecosystems, livelihood and traditional occupation practices, 
And we need to think about this principle also of common but differentiated. Yes, we share a national space. Yes, we all suffer. But there are those who suffer the most and contribute the least. They have the lowest carbon footprints as indigenous people because they, their traditional occupation are ecosystem friendly. They have less carbon footprints. And therefore, as indigenous people, we are calling for a fast tracking of the operationalization of this fund. We are calling for integration of human rights as a foundation for accessing this fund. The Paris Agreement recognizes indigenous people's rights and it should be reflected on this. We also call in for a direct access window of this fund for indigenous people. Lessons from the Adaptation Fund, lessons from the Green Climate Fund, lessons from other existing funding arrangements. And research has shown that less than 2% reaches indigenous people. And this is where resources should go if we are saving the planet for people. And so they are saying that uh, they should be represented in the, in the decision-making arrangement that will be established on the fund, and there should be a direct access window to make sure resources reaches indigenous people, and any intervention supported by the fund should respect in human rights, specifically indigenous people's rights, traditional knowledge systems of indigenous people and value system of nature should be supported, and that's why we are here as indigenous people of the world pushing for the realization of the aspiration of the loss and damage facility and putting people in the center, particularly indigenous people who suffer most and pay the least. Thank you. For more on the rights of indigenous peoples, visit cs.org and follow Cultural Survival on Facebook and Twitter and listen to Indigenous Rights Radio on Spotify.